الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول Alhamdulillah 
فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق اقرأ وربك الأكرم الذي علم بالقلم علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم صدق الله العظيم A companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by the name of Salman al-Farsi radiyallahu anhu in a very lengthy narration describes his journey to meeting Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The essence of his journey is that the world was full of darkness and there was no beacon of light that remained for him to attach to. Until one of his teachers told him that in Medina would be where the final prophet would arrive. So he arrived in Medina Munawwara through a very gruesome and difficult journey until he was able to set his eyes on the Prophet ﷺ. And everything before that was just history. The story of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, people who were sincere, eager, who were trying to make sense out of a very complicated, difficult world. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed them with the honor of crossing paths with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Seeing him, being with him, learning from him, transformed and changed their lives. The story of Islam is one of the importance of revelation. That throughout history, you see where revelation found its place in the hearts of people and communities, they became leaders. And where revelation left people, only so long you can continue to push forward before you realize that you are untethered and this small canoe that you're in stands no chance against the waves of the ocean. They will surely swallow you. The Prophet ﷺ is in Ghar Hira, distancing himself from the people of Mecca because of the excess shirk that was occurring there. And while he's in that moment just reflecting and connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam shows up. And one of the greatest moments to possibly occur in the existence of this earth occurred. The crown of prophethood was granted one last time to a human being and not to any human being, to the best of all, Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. An era that was referred to as the period of ignorance was about to leap forward, not slowly and gradually, but a big jump was about to occur. Khairul Quruni Qarni, the best of generations, was about to come into existence. And in this moment, when Jibreel approaches Rasulullah and he offers him this revelation, the opening part of this revelation, the beginning of the Quran, starts with telling the Ummah and the Prophet of Allah and mankind till the end of times, Iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. We commonly refer to the first revelation by saying the first verse was Iqra. That wasn't the first verse, that was the first word. The verse continues. We are a nation, we are a people that takes pride in knowing that education and learning is at the center of our deen. Anytime something sways away from that education, from that knowledge, it puts itself at great risk. Today we see our Muslim community. We look at our own families and 
there is no doubt at all that raising a family in the West where we are sitting in a big pool of all sorts of ideas, confusion is everywhere. What is true? What is not true? I think one of the biggest challenges that we have in today's world and something that fears me to my core is truth no longer exists. What is a reality? Everything is based off of subjective ideas that what I view to be true is this and what you view to be true is that. A nation that is divided into political ideology no longer has the ability to identify what are realities. The Quran tells us what our realities are. Times will change, people will change, the weather will change, the world will change. But these realities are unshakable. Therefore, when you study aqidah, the subject of understanding the essence of our belief, there are different terms that are used to refer to statements that we believe in and their veracity and their truthfulness. And the most definitive term that we use in aqidah to refer to a point that is absolutely true and there is no doubt in it at all is the word haq. Allahu haqqun, wal naru haqqun, wal jannatu haqqun, wal siratu haqqun, wal mizanu haqqun. That these things are realities. That your jannah is a reality, your fire of hell is a reality, you standing in front of Allah is a reality. This is not a dream, this is not something made up. Today you're trying to figure out what to do in this path that you're walking on, but remember the destination is certain and that is your grave. Either you will leave first or someone will beat you to it. Either you're carrying someone or someone is carrying you. The question is, what did you do on this path while you have the opportunity to walk on it? The Quran prepares us for that. This is what revelation does. It tells us of people who came before to warn us of people who messed up and those who did great. All the people who did amazing in the Quran, who are referenced and praised in the Quran, the summary of their story is, they were tested by Allah and they stood firm and strong. That was the summary of their story. That they got confused and there was wealth thrown at them and family was thrown at them and problems came at them. But the men and women who now stand in the hall of fame of the Quran are people who did not waver and stood strong like pillars. That they committed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether it was in the battlefield, they were remembered. Or if they were traveling with the Prophet ﷺ, they were remembered. Because the people who allow their hearts to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are worth being remembered. As for everyone else, they seem to just waver away and fizz away. Then the second part of the Quran tells us about what comes ahead. And what comes ahead is the Day of Judgment where every human being is accountable for what they do in this present right now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, لَا يُغَادِرُ صَغِيرَةً وَلَا كَبِيرَةً إِلَّا أَحْصَاهَا So every day in my life when I wake up and I'm going through my routine, and I go to work and I'm at school and I'm driving and I'm picking up the kids and dropping them off, I have to constantly make decisions. And each of those things that I do and each decision that I make, has an impact in this moment right now. But as a Muslim, I believe there is a greater impact. We all believe that there is a greater impact that we will see in the hereafter. The true value of a decision isn't only based off of what it gives you today. In reality, it's based off of what it gives you in your eternal life. What happens when you stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Sometimes it's just the smallest moments in this world where a person becomes vulnerable and sincere least expected moments and their 
maybe in front of Allah on the day of judgment and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pardons them for that moment. We learned this from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa teachings. It's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is waiting for us to give him one moment of our life of just sincerity, undistracted, pure love. That I'm willing to do something, Ya Allah, for you. You created me for you. Let me at least give you a moment of my life where it's only about you. The hadith in Bukhari is very well known regarding the lady who gave water to the dog. She had lived an immoral life, but in that moment she did something sincere where it wasn't about her, it wasn't about showing, it wasn't about what people would see, it was about what she was doing right there, right then, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Abdul Bar narrates an incident that Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani also narrates in his commentary on Sahih al-Bukhari regarding the famous author of the Sunan Abi Dawood, Imam Abu Dawood Sulaiman bin Ash'ath al-Sijistani, rahimahullah ta'ala. That this man, by the way, a giant, contemporary of Imam Bukhari, rahmatullahi alayhi, student of Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, a man whose knowledge of hadith was unrivaled. He had so many ahadith memorized, arguably he had more narrations compiled and memorized even than Imam Bukhari, rahmatullahi alayhi. This isn't a comparison, I'm trying to establish this person's status. Such a great scholar, prolific writer, the compiler of the Sunan Abi Dawood, which is being read till today, and Allah knows how long it'll be read for. Ibn Abdul Bar narrates this incident that once Abu Dawood the Sidistani was on a ship and he was traveling, and they were passing by a shore, and there was a person on the shore who sneezed, and he said, Alhamdulillah. Now, as Muslims, we know when someone sneezes and says, Alhamdulillah, it is, it is a responsibility for you to reply by saying, Yarhamukallah. He was an old man and didn't have the ability to say it loud enough for that person to hear him. So he said to the sh- person on the ship that I would like to rent one of these small boats to go to that island. And he went to the island and he went to that person and said, Yarhamukallah, and came back to his ship. His companions say in that moment we heard a voice from the unseen saying, Ishtara Abu Dawood al-Jannata bi'ashara dirahim. That Abu Dawood just purchased his Jannah for 10 dirham. A man who compiled a hadith, not just one hadith, collections. It boils down to these moments, and this isn't a, a verdict of his past in the world. It's, if anything, it's a bushra, it's a glad tiding. And it's a lesson for us all that every day we have opportunities to earn our Jannah, moments of sincerity. Some of us, we believe that our opportunity to shine as Muslims is while we're in the masjid, which is amazing. But you have to realize that what kind of Islam and Iman you have in your heart shines when you walk out of the walls of the masjid. Who you are in your life. Whether you have found peace with yourself and your Iman to be one, or whether they will continue to be divided and exist in parallel lives. That in the masjid you are one person, in front of the Qur'an you are one person, in Mecca and Medina you are one person, but when you go back to your family, a very different human being, a very different story to tell. How does this Islam reach a person's heart? Well, it comes through interacting with revelation. Reading itself and gathering information isn't enough for your salvation because you must know that there are people who have walked on this earth before us who had a massive amount of knowledge yet they were misguided. Because information is not the same as knowledge. As Muslims, we view knowledge to be transformative, that it brings change in you. That it is little but meaningful. 
It brings change in you. It allows you to be a better person that when you walk away from a khutbah and you go home, your family members see you smile. Your child notices compassion. Your wife feels love. Your father and mother feel respect. The people at work notice that you are a kinder person because every time you interact with your deen and you learn, you transform to be a better person. The world we live in today has become a frenzy of just gathering information that go online and listen to a snippet here and read a tweet there and gather a little post from social media here. And we assume that all these things together bring change. In order for knowledge, which is a raw ingredient, to bring change in you, it must be paired with a meaningful process. The first part of this process is specifically when you interact with revelation that you will need to humble yourself. Therefore, the verse reads, Iqra bismi khalaq. Teaching us to be humble because you are reading revelation that was sent by the one who created you. Khalaq al-insana min alaq. Iqra wa rabbuka al-akram alladhi allama bil-qalam an allama al-insana ma lam ya'lam. He taught you what you do not know. When a person sits in front of revelation with arrogance and they've made their mind up, and no matter how much of the Quran or Hadith you quote to them, they are unwilling to budge because in their minds they are gods, they are the revealers, they are the prophets, and they are the ones that will implement revelation, there is a big problem waiting ahead for them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also tells us of such people in the Quran. Read the stories of Fir'aun and Qarun who found it very difficult to bow down in front of revelation. And remember that all knowledge that we have in this world is sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All knowledge. This Western claim that there is secular knowledge and religious knowledge, that science and math are secular, they have nothing to do with God or religion. So what happens in biology, chemistry, and physics is completely disconnected from God is very problematic. This is a, a, a notion that we Muslims openly reject because the Quran tells us that all knowledge that we have is divine and given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What happens between two elements when they bond is just a manifestation of a means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has adopted for a reality that was predetermined to come into existence. This is the Muslim belief of science. We view math as a tool. We view these subjects that we study as a tool. So on one side, a person that has a system of education that is void of the mention and existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't find Allah. One person studies and goes to med school and there is no mention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their mind, heart, or what they see and study. So for them at the end of it, it's an exercise of gaining knowledge and building a career. And there's another person who goes to that same procedure but every moment they're interacting with this patient in front of them or this cadaver that they're practicing on, they see the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That how is my Allah? How amazing in His? How amazing is He? And this is what the Quran invites us to. The Quran is calling us to wake up from this zombie-like state of constant, perpetual stagnation where we can't see beyond what our physical eyes lock onto. And the Qur'an is telling us to learn to look with our hearts and our mind. That these limbs cannot be used individually. The hand does its part, the eye does its part. But if the hand, eye, heart and, heart and intellect don't work together, you won't have in front of you what's really happening. 
In order for you to understand and gain true idrak of what's going on in front of you, you must gather all your limbs together, your heart and mind included, and try to understand what's going on here. So Rasulullah s.a.w.'s life, let's take a page from there. He walks through the world, and for everything he has a dhikr that accompanies it, telling us that in that moment, whether he's climbing a mountain, descending in the market, entering his home, exiting, traveling, eating, relieving himself, that before and after all of these things, he is interacting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That he's, being able, he's able to see the world with his heart and with his eyes because there are some people, their realities are comparable to that of a parrot that what you throw at it, it regurgitates it right back at you. Right? The parrot isn't able to intellectually engage with the content that it has. There's no deeper dimension to its, what it does, what it says. But on the other hand, you have bees that take filth and turn it into the most sweet thing that the human being can taste. This is where the engagement of the heart comes into the place, comes into place. And this is what the Quran is calling us towards, towards a place of tafakkur and tadabbur, that you are reflecting, you're thinking, what's the purpose of my life? What am I doing here? How did I end up in this land? How do I have all this wealth? What am I doing with this intellect? Was all of this for me to just build my personal mini mansion and empire so that when I stand in front of Allah on the day of judgment, Allah says to me, Yaqub, tell me what did you do with your life? And you say, Ya Allah, I nailed it. 4,000 square foot home, four car garage, Mercedes in each one. Imagine the disappointment in that moment that I gave you a heart with the ability to love Allah more valuable than anything the world can offer, and you came back with these silly Lego-like toys? Did you not understand what this heart was actually for? That every time when you do sajda in front of Allah, there is an opportunity there for you to earn your jannah. Every time you stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, Allahu Akbar, you are saying something that has the weight to shake the earth and the heavens. Only if you connect your mind and heart to that word that you're saying, change will occur. So people ask, why is it that my salah doesn't bring change in me? Well, it's because you're not allowing it to enter into your heart. The moment you make yourself vulnerable and you open it up, in reality, the essence of salah can be understood through the simple truth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our Rabb and we are ibad, we are servants of Allah. The world that we live in, our egos push us to believe that we are gods in our world. Unquestionable and accountable. We do what we want and no one can push me to do anything. Salah is a reminder that that's not true. You are accountable and you are a servant. You have a responsibility of obedience and that is to your Allah. And therefore we start our salah every day by saying Allahu Akbar, admitting to this truth that I belong to Allah. And then the journey starts, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, that I belong to Allah, as does everything in this world. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, but not a relationship that's built off of oppression because people think of the relationship of a master and serve, servant to be an oppressive one. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, my master is different. Maliki Yawmiddin, Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'een. Ya Allah, I've just come from a messy life and I'm about to go back to one after I say my salam. So my plea to you is, Guide this heart. Take it by its forelock. Against its own will. 
Push away shaitan. Grant me dominance over my nafs. Allow this heart to love you and beat in your obedience. Every heart of the believer desires to love Allah. And that's why you'll see that when someone talks about loving Allah, tears swell into our eyes. This is no coincidence. The reason why we become so still when someone talks about loving Allah is because the fitrah, that soul that lies at the center of your existence begins to wake up. We have put it to sleep and in those moments it starts to wake up. And it yearns to fulfill the purpose it was created for. And that's for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why it was created. Allah bi dhikrillahi tatma'innul qulub. The heart will always want Allah and it will always desire Allah. No matter how much you distract it. Someone asked Umm al-Mu'minin Aisha radiallahu anha a beautiful question. It's one of my favorite narrations. He asked her, actually Umm al-Mu'minin Aisha radiallahu anha asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa that's more correct. Umm al-Mu'minin Aisha radiallahu anha asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa a beautiful question. She said, O Messenger of Allah, why do you pray? This is a phenomenal question. Because the answer to this gives us the perspective that we need for the rest of our lives to continue to pray and build ourselves spiritually. So the Prophet ﷺ responds back by saying, Afala akun abdan shakura. Gratitude. I'm thankful to Allah. So when I take out time from my day and I go to the side of my store and I pray salah, or when I pull over at the airport and I pray my salah, or I step aside from the table when food is being served at a restaurant and I pray my salah, or I'm at home and I pull over to the corner or come to the masjid to pray salah, in that moment I'm just saying to Allah, thank you. Thank you for everything. I'm grateful that you gave me the ability to be the person that I am, a work in progress. But more than anything, I'm grateful that you bless this heart with iman. Because there are people who will live, a die, live and die in this earth and they won't have one moment of love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They won't get a chance to even say Allah's name with love once. And here you and I are with the freedom, opportunity, ability to worship Allah as much as we want. To love Him whenever we want. This knowledge that we speak of Remember, Imam Abu Hamid al-Ghazali says, under, while commenting on the statement of the Prophet Muslim that seeking knowledge is obligatory upon every believer, while commenting on that, Imam Abu Hamid al-Ghazali says, this knowledge that is obligatory upon every Muslim is It's the knowledge of knowing how to interact with your Lord. What's your relationship with Allah? How are you going to do this? This can change with a change in perspective. You can choose to have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's presence with you for the rest of your life. If you're willing to commit to be in His remembrance, that's where change comes. By constantly thinking and being, re- being reflective over the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not being in denial and rejection. Understanding that we live in a world, specifically the Western world, that is hyper-materialistic. And a cloak of distractions have been casted over us. So we are lost within our TVs, within our 
you know, series and shows and our video games, our vacations and our trips. Those things have a place in our life, a very valuable one, right? Where you just need to relax sometimes and unplug from the busy life, so you go to those things. But that's not why we were created. The reason why you and I were created was to worship Allah and to build a meaningful relationship with Him. Find me a parent who has taught their child to love Allah and I will point at a future wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Parents commonly boast about my child knows so many ajazat memorized. Great thing by the way, having your children memorize the Quran from a young age, phenomenal idea. Or they've memorized so many legal rulings of the deen. Or look at the way my child dresses. But the thing is that all of these things, they come into play once the heart of the human being is instigated. That when your child comes home and says, Dad, I'm struggling with bad influence, your lesson isn't just walk away from those friends or go complain to your principal. Your lesson is better. You're going to have to figure out life and then you can talk about the solutions. But at the center of it all is you must remember that your Allah is with you. Because all solutions in the world will fail unless you take accountability of your own relationship. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. May He inspire us and open our hearts. May He guide us, give light in these dark paths in this world that we live in. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve iman in our blood and in the blood of our children and in our generations until the end of times. May our hearts be endowed and bestowed with the honor of revelation. May we be people who memorize the Qur'an, read the Qur'an, understand the Qur'an, and connect ourselves to the legacy of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, الذي لا يرجى لكشف الشدائد إلا هو ولا يدعى لدفع المصائب إلا هو وما طلب الواصلون في الكونين إلا هو وما مراد العاشقين في الدارين إلا هو الناس كلهم فقراء ولا غنية إلا هو الناس كلهم ضعفاء ولا قوية إلا هو لا خالق ولا مالك ولا ناصر إلا هو هل من خالق غير الله يرزقكم من السماء والأرض لا إله إلا هو ونشهد أن لا إله إلا هو ونشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وسندنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله أما بعد أيها الناس وحدوا الله فإن التوحيد رأس الطاعات واتقوا الله فإن التقوى ملاق الحسنات وعليكم بالصدق فإن الصدق ينجي والكذب يهلك وعليكم بالإحسان فإن الله يحب المحسنين ولا تقنطوا من رحمة الله فإنه أرحم الراحمين ولا تحب الدنيا فتكون من الخاسرين ألا وإن نفسا لن تموت حتى تستكمل رزقها فاتقوا الله وأجملوا في الطلب وتوكلوا عليه فإن الله يحب المتوكلين وادعوه فإن ربكم مجيب الداعين واستغفروه يمددكم بأموال وبنين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كلما ذكره الذاكرون وكلما غفل عن ذكره الغافلون ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين 
واجعلنا للمتقين إماما يا رب العالمين اللهم اهدنا في من هديت وعافنا في من عافيت وتولنا في من توليت وبارك لنا فيما أعطيت وقنا واصرف عنا برحمتك شر ما قضيت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك إنه لا يذل من واليت ولا يعز من عديت تبارك ربنا وتعاليت فلك الحمد على ما قضيت ولك الشكر على ما أنعمت به وأوليت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وصلى الله على النبي الأمي سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين أقم الصلاة رحمك الله الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله Allahu Akbar Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki Yawmiddin Iyaka Na'budu Wa Iyaka Nasta'een Ihdina Al-Sirat Al-Mustaqeem صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين أفرأيت الذي تولى وأعطى قليلا وأكدا أعنده علم الغيب فهو يرى أم لم ينبأ بما في صحف موسى وإبراهيم الذي وفى ألا تزر وازرة وزر أخرى وأن ليس للإنسان إلا ما سعى وأن سعيه سوف يرى ثم يجزاه الجزاء الأوفى وأن إلى ربك المنتهى وأنه هو أضحك وأبكى وأنه هو أمات وأحيا وأنه خلق الزوجين الذكر والأنثى من نطفة إذا تمنى وأن عليه النشأة الأخرى وأنه هو أغنى وأقنى وأنه هو رب الشعرى وأنه أهلك عادن الأولى وثمود فما أبقى وقوم نوح من قبل إنهم كانوا هم أظلم وأتغى 
والمؤتفكة أهوى فغشاها ما غشا فبأي آلاء ربك تتمارى الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين ألهاكم التكاثر حتى زرتم المقابر كلا سوف تعلمون ثم كلا سوف تعلمون كلا لو تعلمون علم اليقين لترون الجحيم ثم لترونها عين اليقين ثم لتسألن يومئذ عن النعيم الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله استغفر On this Friday, be sure to remember all those that are struggling across the world and those that have passed away this week. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower his mercy upon them. A young man from our community, Mundir Nabil, passed away a few days ago. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill his grave with nur and forgive him inshaAllah. Give his family members patience and those that he leaves behind. Also, we've been requested to make dua for Sister Najma Parveen. She is ill. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant her shifa as well. 
and give her strength in these moments of difficulty. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate her maqam through this illness.